Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me as always... Hey guys, Brian. And we have another movie talk, uh, like literally right out of the movie, just uh, so we pulled out the old handy-dandy phone recorder, and so if you hear some noises and are swearing at other drivers, again, that is us, we apologize. We're gonna, but we really just wanted to talk about the film we just saw immediately while it was still fresh in our minds. Literally, like two minutes. It can't. It can't be any longer than two minutes. The film get out. Got out. Brian, what film did we just see? So we saw Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the ninth film by Quentin Tarantino. And this is the second time that I've seen this film. I saw this a few days ago with my buddies, and those who follow us on Twitter, I, I did make a post about it because I had some opinions, and I still have some opinions, but. I've been dying to talk about this movie with anyone because I, I saw it with my two buddies. One of them was Will, who's been on the show. He, he I think he was kind of still processing the whole film. And I saw it with my other buddy, Andrew. And we, we had some things to say, but Brian hadn't seen it yet. My other movie buff friends and fellow podcasters hadn't seen it yet. And I was, I've been really just wanting to talk about this film. And now I finally can with you, Brian. And, uh, but Brian, leading up to, were you excited for this film? I just kind of want to get that first off before we get into our thoughts and initial impressions of the film. Were you excited for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah, I mean, I was ex- as excited as a casual Tarantino fan can be. You know, it's it's not every year we get a Tarantino film, and I'm always excited for those. Um, in terms of following it, though, I didn't, I think I purposely stay away from films now, like in terms of trailers and getting hyped and excited for it. I was excited to see it, but I kind of just kept a distance from everything about it. I didn't, I had literally no idea what it was going to be about. I had no idea what the premise was going to be. I had nothing. I went in completely blind and fresh. So I was excited to see it as everybody is excited to see a Quentin Tarantino film. But other than that, I wasn't, I can't say I was like highly anticipating seeing this. Yeah. It's really weird. I think for the hateful eight, we were, obviously really hyped and obviously there was some films before like well, Django we were really excited for Hateful Eight we were really excited well, for Hateful but... Eight I feel like I was very excited because it was that was an event yeah for the road show but, but even still like it's like oh it's a Tarantino like this is a momentous occasion but for some reason maybe it's just what's going on in my life right now I wasn't really that excited I mean I saw the trailers I remember when the first trailer was released and I thought okay seems decent enough like it, it looks like it looks exactly what I kind of thought it was just a love letter to the this this era of filmmaking that was so influential on Tarantino, and we'll get into that too. But I don't know. I just I wasn't it, like super like I didn't see it opening day. Like my buddies, they said, "Oh, do you want to see it with us?" I said, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" I was probably gonna see it anyway on like a matinee, but I'll see it with. I'd rather see it with friends. But yeah, I don't I don't know if my lack of its excitement kind of influenced how I viewed the movie my first go around. But I, I don't know. But Let's get into our first impressions now. Brian, I want to ask you, this is the first time you've seen it. Did you enjoy this movie? I enjoyed it, but gut reactions on my on, after this initial review or viewing was that, man, it's all right. So like that, that's the best way I can kind of like compartmentalize my thoughts on it right now. We'll, we'll unpack that in a second, but right now I'm just saying hey, it was all right. So, wasn't what I was expecting. I kind of, I, I didn't want to tell you how I thought like right out of the gate. And because I didn't want my, my viewing, my first viewing and my thoughts to influence yours. But, um, 
I, um, I have to say the second time around, I enjoyed the film a lot more, but the first time I really did not like this movie. I was highly disappointed and I kind of tweeted that I didn't, I, I didn't think I really enjoyed this film at all. And I don't know, I think it's, I had expectations that weren't fulfilled, but, but I could get over that because that's like, okay, this is his vision. I'll respect that. But I just really didn't like this film when I first saw it. Now that it's been a few days, I, I've mulled over what I had seen, what I was expecting, kind of reflected on that. I read uh, Jim Hempels, who was had on the show. I've read his article, and that and that helped me kind of appreciate the film in a in a different way. But after the second viewing, I enjoyed it a lot. Or I would say a lot more. I enjoyed it a little bit more, but I still have. My, my major issues still exist with the movie, so I, I guess we can get into that right now. So the first thing that I want to... Well, let's talk about the positives, because I, I kind of might rip the, the film apart, and I don't want to just start with the negatives. Let's start with the positives of this film. So first off, I think right off the bat, the aesthetics of this film, T Tarantino has proved yet again he is a masterful filmmaker. I think that is un everyone can universally agree on that. No, absolutely. I think the set design's awesome. He really nailed that 60s aesthetic, and it's even, like, little things that you do to world build. I mean, like, he closed the freeway down the drive 1960s-era cars on it. Like, just little things that I've noticed, or, like, when you, when, you, when you focus on a shot, there's always, even 100 yards away, there's always, like, a 1960s-era car driving around. And, and it's, like, that like minutia that really kind of sells the world for me. And, and I was, like, looking, I was like, okay, so he obviously dressed up modern L.A. for the 60s. So I always had it from that perspective, like, okay, we're watching it today with a dressing over it. But I still even still thought it was great and well done. Uh, I really did like the music, the the costume design's great, and I mean it really comes from someone who has lived and breathed LA. I even even the, and like more of the details. I, I really like the commercials, the or not the commercials, like the well, yeah, the commercials and the shows that he made, that he had created or recreated during this time. It, it like just setting this uh, like setting the like the first shot we get is a commercial for Bounty Law. This this TV show that really set Leonardo DiCaprio's character in like the spotlight. This is what he's known for. And I, and I kind of like that we get that establishing stuff like in the heyday and then we cut to here. Um, yeah, I, I really thought the aesthetics and, and, and kind of changing some things up really worked. Like, I think here we have some of Tarantino's the shots, like uh, his cinematography that we would expect and some of the shots that he's more known for, especially like the... Uh, like the, the having the camera set in the back of the car while people are driving around. I, I tend to think, I mean, I think like Kill Bill or Death Proof. Well, also, um, well, even like there's a like, when you focus on like the hood ornament, like did that in Death Proof, I noticed. Yeah, um, there's things like that. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's just, you know, I just think that is an undisputed point that the cinematography, the filmmaking style, the soundtrack, everything, like the details are there. And, and you can just tell that he loves like he puts a hundred ten percent into every film that he makes whether or not you like the film or not you have to admit that he really puts his full effort into this in his projects and continuing off that the casting was all pretty phenomenal like every, like especially brad pitt leonardo dicaprio they 
uh, I mean, they are, it's their movie. Everyone else, like that, it's, it's another thing. Like some of the casting choices, not that they were bad, it was just kind of weird because Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio's characters are the only ones that really have anything to do in this film. And so, but I, before I get, that's, I feel like what I'm about to say is more negative. So let's focus on the positives of Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. No, so they have an awesome chemistry together. Um, I think more could have been done with that, but Brad Pitt is great. Leo, Leo does great. Um, I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's all I kind of got to say about it. There's not too much like, it, I, I really did like Leo's kind of struggling, like his, his character struggling with like losing fame, becoming a has been, uh, even, even just like playing that fluidity of like an actor and everything like that. And, and I do like that he does play like a really sympathetic kind of guy. At first, I thought like he was like a, just like an ass, but then, but then as the story progressed, I'm like, oh no, she's like not a bad guy. Well, I really like how straight Leo plays the character. Like, it's not he's not playing it for laughs. Like the character in the moment, like it's it's like funny how he responds to situations, but he's like a hundred percent serious of what he's doing around him. Like he's doing things unironically which I think works. Like you have to have the character be completely straight in their delivery and how their actions towards everything around them. Where Brad Pitt is more like laid back, kind of just like, he's got that really cool charisma. Doesn't take things so seriously. Whereas like um, Leonardo DiCaprio is that straight man. Yeah, that is a good point. Like you have to, you, you have to play that role straight or else it doesn't work. And there's like, there can't be like some sort of like meta or like awareness of like who he is. So no, I yeah, actually, I, that's like a new appreciation that I just kind of now that you said that I was like, oh yeah, you you had to play that straight, or also wouldn't have worked. And yeah, and there and like this is another one of those those two roles that I didn't see the actor playing the role, which I think is very difficult for me with Leo and and most of his films, not all, but a lot of his films, I just see Leo, not the character. But this I think is one of his. His uh, not 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 in as few, but I think this is a role that he really excels in, and I think it just goes to show that Tarantino is an actor's director. He really is able to get those performances that he wants, and he's a- and you're able to envision the characters through these actors that he's written, and he knows exactly what he wants. So I think, and that goes into the direction of Tarantino. Like I do think the direction as as all the problems that I have with this movie. I, I have to admit, like, the direction, you can just tell it's a, definitely a passion. All, all my problems are with the story. Which we'll get to. But, um, but yeah, so, I, I, and I, okay, so I guess I'm trying to think of other positives outside of the Leo Brett and Brad Pitt. Well, uh, so, well, so, so, I mean, I think the, the problem is the story and I feel like you go to a Tarantino film for the story. And we all, we are, you go into it already assuming that everything's going to be awesome about it. Obviously, the music's great. The actors are, it's not a question of like, are they good? It's how, how great will they be? Uh, the set design and the set pieces are always going to be top notch. So, I mean, really, I think it just comes down to the story. Everything else was great. Well, let's get into the story then, because I, this is like the big thing that I have, because w- with the story, Okay, so the the whole story is we we follow uh, these two characters as we mentioned earlier, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt's characters as they're in like the kind of the twilight years of their careers, and Leonardo DiCaprio is kind of coming to terms with his mediocrity, mediocrity in in a modernizing medium. But I have to admit, this film is 
is so fucking boring and there's no tension throughout okay, most yeah. of the film. I wanted this I, I felt kind of weird. I'm like, is something gonna happen? The whole movie and and okay, so going into this the pacing and not even the pacing, but just the fact that nothing happens, I was I was under the impression that I was like, okay, it's gonna be like a return, like a Jackie Brown esque dialogue where it's like you just hang out and talk about shit, but at least in Jackie Brown, there was like an immediacy to the plot and stuff was progressing forward. I get the whole the, the, the dynamic between like Rick being like, well, Sharon Tate is at the hot is like is everything that Rick wants to be like Roman Polanski's like the, like the next hot director. And Rick is, is wanting to break out of this mediocrity and he's, and he's, and he's accepting the fact that maybe he's out of it. He peaked and he's done. And I think it, wait, wait, where was I going with that? It was that he's peaked. Well, no. Oh yeah. Well, just going with the story where it's like, and then you get the whole dynamic with Brad Pitt and everything like that. But Again, it's like, yeah, there is no immediacy. There's nothing driving the plot forward of... And it's weird because, like, the Manson stuff, it doesn't go anywhere. You see Charles Manson for a second, and Which I was like... fine, but I, I, don't, I have a thing. I, I have yeah, I have, I have several problems with that as well. But the whole... I was sitting there for, like, two hours, and I'm like, okay. You get... I think the golden rule of cinema is you get 30 minutes to set everything up. And I'm like, okay. We know Rick. We know cliff we know the players we know sharon so now okay now it's time for something to happen and it just kept was like okay just the next scene rick get his rick gets another role and something else something or other and it's like there and, and i feel like the whole time tarantino was like playing off of our expectations because i think he knew that we expected something to happen and he just kept dragging it out and i it, even even the climax was i didn't find that very satisfying I, I, but i completely agree but that's but uh let's, we'll let, let's like let's yeah. let's pull back a second like i wanted to agree with you when was something going to happen and that's what i said like when i was watching this i was like yeah when is something going to happen that's it like and people are saying all oh, this is like pulp fiction and no it kind of, well in in the sense that it's not every it's, single it's kind of jumping all over the place but the, the thing with pulp fiction is that like yes, while it's not, it's told in With, nonlinear fashion. Like each, each segment could be a short film, and it's not. But they it's, are are they're they're related well, in some. No, it's capacity. not even that. It's each vignette, each scene has an immediate something driving it forward. With when it's the when it's the first scene in the restaurant, they're gonna they're talking about robbing a bank. In in this next scene, when they're talking about they're going to the hit. And it's, and it's leading up to a hit. Vincent, and then they set up with Vincent taking out Mia in the next scene, where then Vincent takes out Mia. And then these things, like, it's not as structured, but there's still within each section and chapter, something is happening to push the plot forward. I, I read it, I read and watched an interesting review. Well, Chris Stuckman brought this point up that it's like watching Seinfeld. And I, and I think, and I read, and I watched that before seeing the film, but then seeing it, I think that's a perfect way to describe this, where it's like these little vignettes are like kind of entertaining on their own, but like in relation to each other, they're, they're not really related. And I guess here they're related on like a very superficial level other than like, oh, these two characters, like one of the main characters is here outside of Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate, and, which I have opinions, but um, about Sharon Tate in this film, but uh, 
but it's just nothing is related. There's there's like moment. There's like an hour in the film when we cut between Sharon Tate and Brad Pitt, which I think if it was completely stricken from the film, we would lose absolutely nothing. When Sharon Tate is seeing the, her her own film, and Brad Pitt is is uh viewing or is visiting Spawn Ranch for the first time, because ultimately both of those scenes add nothing to the film. Uh, Brad Pitt meets the Manson crew, not even Charles Manson. And and this is where I was like, okay, they're going to set up. I guess he he's met them before, but in the end of the film, but that doesn't really go anywhere. It's not a payoff. Because they don't recognize him. And it's also, this is another thing where I thought... The acid cigarette goes literally nowhere. Which I which we'll talk about. But then I... Um, so like some of the things that I was think, thinking that would make this these segments more thematically connected and a little bit better payoff in the end is that throughout like so sharon tate goes to the watcher and movie i thought that the ticket uh yeah was part of the family family and then them i thought she was too and i thought taking the picture was would tie into them yeah oh here's the idea i actually thought i thought that's what that was i mean if she was i didn't no 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 no. i'm saying when they set up that scene i was like oh she's part of the family so i thought that and then then the immediate scene following that was brad pitt taking pussycat back to the ranch and i was like oh we're gonna <clears throat> meet the manson crew we're gonna see who the main players are charlie's it's, gonna love you and well and then and then it, and then this is like the first spark of tension when he's like oh george spawn let me go see him yeah and it's just like 20 minute elongated scene where i was like oh we're gonna get a psycho moment yeah where, like, george is dead and he has to like Turn her, and, turn he, him and over. he has to like jump out the window and run away and like Tex is going to be hunting him down and he like barely gets away. No, George is fucking alive and he's uh, and he's just this grumpy well, old I kind of I kind of like the fake out because it really I was like, wow, Tarantino could really direct a, a good horror film. But, I, but it doesn't it, it made it didn't make any sense to like tease us like that and then have that scene literally go nowhere. You can excise that scene entirely. It has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. And, and that's where I was like, Oh fuck me! Like, come on! Like, there was tension, and then Bruce Dern wakes up, and this this the tension immediately went away because I was like, well, why is everyone so? And, and and this was especially evident the second time. I was like, why is everyone so abrasive when he's like, let me just go see George, or because if George is with is fine with them being there, what's the problem? Or like, Pussycat's biting her lip because she's nervous. Uh, they're so, they're just so abrasive to him seeing him. He's, he sets up nothing fucking. He happens. sets up the scene that you know something's wrong, and then nothing's wrong, and it's like they're like this weird commune that like, which I am assuming was like what it actually was this weird. The Manson family was like this weird commune, but like they set it up that it's like yeah, they're really just harmless, you know. And we get more to like that later on like they're giving guided tours which, which i thought they were going to kill yeah, those people i thought they were gonna i mean maybe they did that i don't know I'm no they going, didn't they didn't i'm like, not going into this film looking for historical accuracy no neither did I, thought I they were gonna like lead these tourists away and kill them or something i don't know it's a tarantino which one, i didn't it's a tarantino fantasy which i didn't want them because that wouldn't have fit the the, the the theme at all if they were gonna die but i was just like okay that's weird but and then uh I'm just trying to think, like, going... I didn't... Like, the, the whole Manson aspect, was just, it just didn't make any sense. Well, that's where I was like, okay, so why is Manson... That that kind of threw me when I heard, oh, this is... Manson's going to be in this movie. He's going to be Sharon Tate. I knew immediately that Sharon Tate was not going to die in the end of this film. Especially after Inglorious Bastards. I knew Sharon Tate was not going to die. What... 
my thought prediction going into how the film was going to end was that Mansu crew was going to roll on in and, and, and again, one thing that I want to say is that what I, how the tie these things together in the end is that I thought it would be better. Cause I was like, who are these people that are other than Tex? I guess that's Dakota Fanning. It didn't really look like her. And, um, I was like, who are these two? No, random- Tex is the guy. No, I know Tex, Dakota Fanning, and the two other girls, and one just ran away. I was like, oh, so that was Uma it- Thurman. That was Uma Thurman's daughter. Oh, okay, whatever. I don't know who that. I I was like, oh, that's her because I remember she was in the movie for like a second, oh, and she actually sounds like her. Yeah, she I looks guess. like her. I, either way, so I was saying that Pussycat should have been the one that was there because it would have had some weight and meaning to her character. Because then she just drops out of the movie. Because then we have this whole flirtation going back and forth between Brad Pitt and Pussycat, like building up throughout the whole movie. I guess it's a, pl- it's a means for him to get there because they're like kind of flirting and he picks her up, but then they view, they see George and she just well, drops yeah, out of that, the picture. Yeah. She drops out of the, the film entirely. And it's weird. Cause they set her up three times as like being this like flirtatious. Which is why presence. I was surprised she wasn't at, at the, like, thing. At, the man- at the end. Cause I think that would be a little bit like thematically like, like, Oh, it's you like, Oh, cause he was like, oh, I know all you guys. And they didn't even recognize. I mean, why, sh- why should they? He was just one dude. But he did beat the shit out of them. Like, well, I- that one guy. Yeah, but anyway. But, but, like, yeah, that girl never came back. That's weird. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's just so much shit in this movie that it just kind of... Like, that's a whole hour with Sharon Tate going to the movies and Brad Pitt going to Spawn Ranch. That could have been stricken from the record. The movie could have been two hours long, not three hours long. And... Like, it didn't add anything. So let me ask you, you're talking about the theme of the film. What is the theme of this fucking movie? I, I don't know. I, I want to say it's about the relationship between Rick and um, Cliff. But, it, but, but like, that ties into, like, Rick's motivations of, like, not wanting to, like, fade out. And that's pretty clear. And then, because, like, Rick doesn't, but Cliff's like, I'm okay with being a nobody. Like, I'm okay with that. I did... I did, I did kind of, I did laugh at that, that Cliff killed Natalie Wood thing. Well, I don't know if that was Natalie Wood. It's Natalie Wood. I, I mean, yeah. That's I think, how Natalie I think Wood died. She, well, no, she, I know she, how Natalie Wood yeah. died, but I think that's, well, she says, I, I, I wasn't sure, but I know the illusion her name, was there. Her name wouldn't be Natalie if, if, if Tarantino wasn't trying. Was so her name Natalie? Yeah. She's know. like, Natalie, like I'm on the shitty boat on this with a shitty well, person. I know, I know I'm that like, was Natalie No, Wood. I, no I'm just, I'm saying she literally said. And I'm thinking to myself, Natalie, why are you here? And that's oh, when that's my jaw right. kind of dropped. I was like, oh, shit. He's really going to say, like, Cliff killed Natalie Wood? Like, <laughs> I was like, that's kind of funny. But um, anyway, well, like, yeah, going back to that. Well, and I don't want to say that's the theme because it's like it's not him coming to terms with mediocrity because then he just gets what he wants anyway. And then so then it turns into, like, the friendship. And then he they go into, like, well, this is the end of the line, buddy. And it's like, I guess that's like the low point of the film, even though there never is one at where it's like, okay, their friendship is going to be at an end. Um, or their, or at least their working relationship, but it's like, no, their, their actual friendship. I, I never really took it like that. I just took it as a working relationship. But another thing that, so I, I thought that the, that this was going to be Tarantino's, like the theme was going to be Tarantino's like, um, him coming to terms as a, as an artist director coming to terms with a modernizing medium and he's like an old school cat and that not that Leonardo DiCaprio is him but he can sympathize with that like oh man like the 
my my era of filmmaking is coming to an end and i have to like pat because this is this is a second to last film supposedly so i have to come to terms with that my filmmaking career is ending um and i have to kind of I mean, Tarantino will not drift away into obscurity, even after he dies. Like, his filmography will live on and be remembered and be studied. But that's kind of where I was trying to piece it together. But I, I, I fail to see how you can have that message while making a love letter to cinema it's, I, it, well, it's, it's I, just, I don't think I it's, don't. I don't think it's to cinema. I think it's just to 60s style, like the 60s era. I don't think it's to, like, film, like, like, with a capital F, I think it's just to the sixties. He referenced a lot of spaghetti westerns, and I think that, that he loves spaghetti westerns, and so do I. I knew like all those people he was referencing and everything. I don't yeah. think it was to film itself. It was just he just wanted to make a film in that era. But like you see what I mean? Like like do you, could you think that like, that's kind of where I was grasping at straws? Like, is this the theme? Like, is this what he's getting at? Because I feel like with each of his films, there is at least like a somewhat clear message of, or not even, it's not not a message. It's just, it's just, there's some sort of consistency with, with the story and like you could, okay. So like, like Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs is the heist film without the heist. Uh, Pulp Fiction is kind of, I don't even know what the hell Pulp Fiction is, well, Pulp but Fiction like, is more of a, that's like, is more of a, a story like, of redemption. Well, well, it's like a crime thriller. It's not a story of redemption. It's a well, crime like, thriller. Book just whole story is it, all about well, it's a, it's a crime thriller. Then you Jewel, get Jack, 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 Jackie Brown is like black exploitation. Like it's like, it's like a heist film still. And then you get uh, Glorious Bastards, a war film. Uh, Django is about slavery. Hateful Eight is a whodunit. Um. What else? Death there, proof is uh, death proof is 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 a hearkening back to exploitation. And Kill Bill is just a is a revenge film. Re- revenge film. The but. point that I'm getting at is that you can. There's like some sort of thread that you can tie through each film. I don't know what it is for this one, and I just think it's kind of just everything is just sort of happening. And I kind of understand where it's like it's like a story, and it's 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 kind of I was like trying to come at it from like something like Magnolia while I was watching it, where it's like okay. What's gonna happen that will tie everything together at the end? And there wasn't nothing. And like <laughs> so, it's like well, it. well, so the end was like, um, we'll talk about Chekhov's gun. I'll we'll mention the cigarette in a second. But like, well, so we'll mention. So it's like I feel like the end of the film wasn't about what well, is about Rick like leaving mediocrity, but it's also I feel like about the this this alternate reality where this awful thing didn't happen to Sharon Tate. And I feel like that's another thing that ties into it. And I feel like that's why they showed Sharon Tate more in this film of like watching her movie and like really trying to humanize her well, I thought- as, as after this tragic thing. And, and the people who did perpetrate that evil got their comeuppance in typical Tarantino fashion. But did, but- you, did you think Sharon Tate watching her film humanized her? Because to me, it just kind of like I thought it was he was trying to get at like the vanity of Hollywood because I you took I mean, I don't know about you, but. I took that, like, the only reason I thought that that Sharon Tate scene was in there was not because, oh, she loves making people laugh and she's so kind. I took that as, like, oh, I'm the star and, and these people love me. But whatever. And the reason I thought that was because she went in and she didn't even pay for her own ticket to her movie. She pulled out the, oh, I'm in the movie, like, so I can go but in for they're, free. they're setting, the whole movie, they're setting up Sharon Tate to be this, like, idyllic figure like they're they're definitely trying to paint her in this certain light not as like so vain so full shit i don't know i just thought i feel like like she represents like 
the youth and like vigor of the 60s. I guess it's just weird because I just took her as like kind of like an airhead, which is not what Sharon Tate was. It just this well, portrayal of like they, they, she, they portray her as like an avid reader, like someone who's smart, like who cares. You know, yes, I don't know. I just well, she's sure her character's pretty thin, so I don't really think we I just should. think it's weird that like Margot they had this big megastar Margot Robbie play her, and she's just such a lack of a character. Yeah, I mean, that's I feel and like, that's like a lot of people. And I kind of alluded to this earlier in the film like, it's like Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio are amazing in the film, but like everyone out like Alpha like the opening credits, it should have just stopped after Margot Robbie. Because, like, Luke Perry's in the film for a scene. Al Pacino's in the movie for two scenes. Uh, Amelie Hirsch, he's in the scene. He's in the movie for, like, five scenes collectively. It's just weird. It's like, oh, it's starring these people, but they're in it for, like, 30 seconds collectively. That's whatever. I mean... I didn't care that much, but it's 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 just some it's just odd. Where it's I was, just like I was like, oh, like uh, Al Pacino, he's gonna give like a pretty good. Nope. Well, I was wondering, I'm like, also things like the Bruce Lee stuff. I was like, that could have been excised. It was like a funny joke, I guess. I say, okay, I think I don't think I finished my thought earlier, and if I did, I apologize. But how I thought the film was gonna end was that we were gonna walk in, and Brad Pitt. Leonardo DiCaprio and Bruce Lee were going to save the fucking day and kill the Manson family. Because I was like, okay, you have Bruce Lee. This guy, I don't know his name. I think it's like Mike Lee or something like that who plays Bruce Lee. I Holy shit. He got the mannerisms. He got the look. I watched a video um, how he trained. And they had like a 15-minute video of him explaining how he trained for this role. But I was like, he's in the movie for a five-minute gag. And maybe an insert shot here or there. But it's like, I just feel like this movie is wasted potential. You have all these excellent, like, these excellent, historic, iconic figures of the nineteen late 1960s cinema. And you don't use any of them. Well, that was, that was another weird thing, too. Um, well, we're going back to, like, the ending. And I was like, okay, well, they, they mentioned this fucking acid cigarette all like several times and i'm like oh okay so he's gonna smoke as soon as he pulled it out i was like okay so he's gonna smoke it the night that the mansons come how is this gonna okay that i that's weird but okay that's how is this gonna tie into then he smokes it and then nothing happens he's fine he acts weird for a second and it gives him like it gives him a moment to like laugh at the situation because he thinks he's tripping but then he acts fine yeah, like he he's, just, he's he just tripping to a killing machine, which he's, and it's like we already know he can do that. So it like you you take the you you set up this like acid cigarette, and I was like, oh, is this like Tarantino gonna like play with visuals or something? No, it's just Brad Pitt acting a little weird for like a few seconds, and then and then it's like when the, when the situation comes, he just acts like normal Cliff Booth and just beats the shit out of these people. And then no, we, he kills them. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he kills them, but he also and that that whole scene was bizarre. That we can now we can talk about like the climax where it's like those Mansons come by, and like they're gonna they're gonna kill Rick, which is weird. I thought they I was like, why don't they kill him first? But if they're if they're going to the house to kill people, why didn't they just shoot Rick? It doesn't make why they get scared off and then back away. Well, I think it's I think the whole thing is like Rick was the pit stop and then they were going to go do like for the main attraction. And I think that they a didn't realize it was Rick Dalton. So they're like, oh, let's go kill him. And we get this really we get like I hated that scene. Typical, like, I feel like it's a not it's not it's not I don't think it's smart here where it's like, 
they they showed us how to kill, so we should just kill them. And then yeah, and then she just goes nuts, and I was like, this is stupid. I was like, what? Can we just cut to whatever's gonna happen? And then we get there, and I think that they didn't realize that Rick wasn't in the house. Uma Thurman's ca- or not Uma Thurman? I keep saying her daughter. Her yeah. daughter, her character, like out of nowhere, is like. Oh, let's kill people. Oh wait, no, no, no. I gotta like go, and then she just drives away, and I was like, okay, I don't yeah, even know. Flipped. I don't even know who you are. Like, I get it that it's like you. You probably realized it was crazy, but then okay, whatever. That I hated that that car scene. But then yeah, and then they break into the house, and then it's like, and then we get like the full Tarantino like air quote Tarantino violence, where it's just people could just get like massacred by a dog, and like Cliff just completely wrecks these like, people indiscriminately, like fucks these people up and i'm like well this isn't and people are like laughing next to me and i was just like i was too like confused i was like what the fuck is happening i I wasn't when i saw this i wasn't laughing per se i was kind of just like holy shit if you looked over at me you would have seen my furred brow being like (laughs) um oh i I saw that because at least like with Django, it's like cathartic violence and funny here it's not even charles manson getting it it's like random fucking these people, and, and also we okay we get it wait i think we come at it from our own like 2020 like we know what actually happened to these people like what they did so they deserve it but nothing in the film indicates that any of these people deserve anything that's happening to them so they live on a commune george is okay that and that's literally it they, they bust into the house with ill intentions but so far throughout the whole film these people haven't done anything wrong now we know that these are the Mansons and they are they are going to like burn in hell and these are awful people, but in the film universe they haven't done anything and to warrant like a dog ripping them apart. Or Dakota Fanning's face getting fucking beat to a fucking pulp or a girl getting lit on fire. Which was which was weird. Outside of attempted murder, but like they haven't like there's nothing that like I don't know it's it sounds weird to they haven't earned anything they're, they haven't earned their comeuppance outside of that within w- no with within the film universe they haven't done anything to deserve their comeuppance they're just hippies who who come in with ill intentions but they haven't done anything and I'm not saying they're completely blatant like again it's like these are the Mansons you got to go into it with that but like if people didn't know who the Mansons were, you'd be like, okay, well, these are, like, weird people, but, like, they haven't done anything. Well, that's what I was like. They're not slavers. They're not Nazis. They're not assassins. Like, why does this have to be the Manson family? No, it could have been the Manson family, but you don't, he didn't set them up properly to deserve their comeuppance. Well, that's what I mean. Like, there's no setup. So, at the end of the day, like, these could have just been some fucking random people that just decide, like, that they could have had set up throughout the day, because... The man, the Manson name is never brought up. It's never like it's just like oh, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know who these people are. So therefore, like they're horrible people. They just deserve this. But it's like no, you have to set that up. It's in the, in the and that's film. the thing. I feel like there was a good amount, and I can't believe I'm saying this lazy writing on Tarantino's part. Like the whole last third of the movie is like voiceover dialogue explaining, telling us what's happening, and and then it's like. Um, they never mentioned the Mansons, and it, it's just like, it's it, he, like oh, they he, were... Tarantino isn't doing his homework, and that it's like, well, you know who the Mansons are, so thus you know they deserve it. Well, you know what, dude? Try a little harder and show them doing awful shit to have this awful shit happening to them. It's not even like, oh, while they were doing this in, in Rome, these guys were, were killing like, people. Were like, or not even killing people, just like plotting this. Yeah. Like, like there's not even, there's not even like, not, don't, not, I don't need the name drop, but just say like, they are deserving what's about to come at the end of the film. Which is why Tarantino's violence works, at least in the later half of his 
like filmography is because it's cathartic. It works. Nazis are getting blown up. It's Hitler's getting his face. Hitler's getting killed by an MP. Uh, Nazi or not the Nazis. White slavers are getting murdered and massacred. Hey, like late. horrible people are like just getting yeah the Domergue gang who 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 we show killing innocent people are in turn now getting killed. Like it, it is all right now that like the bad guys are getting what is coming to them. In this, it's not. It it's just these are people. It's random people, and it's just it, it's it, it's not a, a climax that paid off whatsoever. It, and, and like you were mentioning it earlier, like Tarantino violence is, it's it's cathartic release of tension and violence, and it's also like over the top, cartoonish in a sense. Here it kind of tries to go both with like yeah there's no music playing there's no like tension but like he's got like some ambient music in the back but then it cuts so when he's bashing when he curb stomps Tex when when he throws the dog food and breaks her fucking face or he's slamming her face into every single thing you hear every bone snap every uh, like b- every artery pushing blood out, you hear every like laceration, and it's just very, it's so real, and that's why it's like, why are like, why are people laughing at this? Like, it's yes, it's over the top, and you're like, but and it comes out of nowhere, and it, it's like what we've been talking about in our past reviews of like, holy shit, you don't know how to respond to this, but then he goes over the top with bringing out the fucking flamethrower, which, like, yeah, that's the violence I was expecting. Like, I'm surprised he just didn't fucking torch the house at that point. Yeah, it was, like, weird. But it's just, like, you can't do both. You have to do... You either go, Brit, like, gritty... You go you go Reservoir Dog stuck in the middle with you, or you go Django Unchained. Like, or just fucking kill everyone. Candy Mansion. Yeah, you like... You can't do both. Yeah. You have to pick one or the other, because it doesn't work. I, I just thought, yeah, I just think that was a misfire on, on his part. I don't, I, it's not bad. It just doesn't work just for me. just like the lack of kind of like, holy shit, this happened. Like you brought out a fucking flamethrower and torched someone. And he's just like, oh yeah, I, I torched the bitch. Like he's not a badass. If anything, not to say, not that I think Rick's a coward, but like, he's not this action hero. Who, like he's a straight man. He's not supposed to just be like, well, yeah, I just torched a bitch. Like, he's not supposed to be like his action movie or his, his, it's his just, TV persona. It's just weird. It's I just guess, weird. I guess because, like, I expected it to end, like, relatively, like, low-key like the movie was. And it's not, not in this, like, weird, like, out of left field, let me get my flamethrower and light a bitch up. I thought he was going to just go in with a shotgun and just blow her away. And then he walks out with the flamethrower and it's like cues the music that suddenly it comes out of nowhere and and like i said i thought that this film was gonna end with at least the two like brad pitt and leonardo dicaprio coming in and saving the day and like sharon tate survives and maybe the three others die but sharon tate survives it's it's just weird because they play the movie the whole movie's played straight not even leo just like the story in general and then you have like this out of left field the Mansons, something has, something has to happen. So the Mansons come in and then they just get their shit rocked, but it's, it's played so ridiculous that it doesn't fit the tone of the rest of the film at all. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Which was why I had my brow furrowed. I was like, is this really how they're going to end it? Like it just in typical Tarantino, like crazy violence. And And I'm like, you know what? That's kind of like his crutch. And it's like, I feel like it just it's just a lazy way to get, to end the movie. I think it's just like, oh, well, people are expecting it. If anything, I, ca- I probably would have been 
at least respected Tarantino for doing something completely different if he didn't end the movie with violence. Like, if he just didn't make an ultra-violent film, I would have been like, huh, I don't... It's not that I necessarily like it and agree with it. Like, it's not my choice, but I, like, I can... I Like, I can respect Tarantino for wanting to do something different, which is weird that he's choosing his, his like, last few films to experiment. Or at least with... No, he, can, he can make whatever he wants. No, I know, but, but it's, just, it's just, like... I mean, I guess I can respect that in itself, too, now that, like, I think about it. But it's just, I don't know, it's just weird. And I just felt like the violence at the end of the film was like, well, I got to end the film, so let's yeah. fucking kill I people. felt like it was like, well, he, I, I felt like it was like, <clears throat> it was, he was like, okay, I got to start wrapping up this film. We're at like the two hour mark. So let's just do a quick, what, what, quick let's, Kurt Russell, you're here. Can you just, which I thought was weird that he was in the film and doing a, a narration. I yeah. feel like it should have been Tarantino that should have been the voiceover. Or, I, or just cut. Kurt, have Kurt Russell's character be someone else like you know what I mean maybe he'd be Kurt Russell's character or yeah or he does the dialogue like, it's weird that that character is also the, the, narrator. the narrator I I don't know it's weird yeah so I, I I don't know I just I just feel like at the end of the day like I, I don't I don't really think this movie deserves the praise that it's getting and I have no of, idea what praise it's getting a lot of, well a lot of the praise that I've been reading, I could be wrong. A lot of it is from this. It, it's mostly on the aesthetics and the and Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, and but I just don't understand. Like, are people like? It's like, oh, it's a slow burn of a movie, and oh. and like the casual moviegoer might not like it. I'm like, or, or it's subverting your expectations for a Tarantino film, so therefore you're not gonna like it. It's in my opinion, it's it's the well, it's the last Jedi argument. Well, oh well, it's not what you expected, so therefore you don't like. it. Well, that's it. the thing with slow burns. It eventually burns, and you get something. It goes somewhere. Like the the whole film isn't setting up the Manson murders. It's not. It's setting up this this dichotomy between Cliff and um, what's his name, Cliff and Rick. It's not about the Mansons. It's. It, I feel like they just interjected it. It's there. It's not a slow burn because it doesn't go anywhere. It's not setting up this. Well, Charlie Manson's gonna get his comeuppance because he's a bad guy. That's not it either. So it's just like kind of all over the place in that way. Yeah, it's a. I I feel weird because, like, like I said, I I like slow burn. We we talked about one last episode with Midsummer. We fucking love that movie, or we we really liked it. I should say, and it went somewhere. Yeah, and but like like you said, slow burns go somewhere, and Tarantino films are like a lot of them are slow burns, and they ignite with dynamite at the end. Like it, so it sometimes, has, liter- actually, literally with um, Inglorious Bastards and Django, Django. yeah, like, literally they ignite with dynamite. And but here it just is like, oh, these you, you're gonna watch three random people get fu- like it's a snuff film. And you're like, okay, um, so I, I don't know. I just feel like I'm in the minority because everyone is loves this film. But I it's weird. I I, I I've read reviews. I've listened to a few podcasts, and so. so so going forward, I think I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt and and just and give it a little time because I thought the same with um, Inherent Vice. I absolutely hated that film the first time I saw it. And then I gave it like about a year of like actually reading up on it, watching it like several times and really like trying to appreciate where Paul Thomas Anderson came with that. And now I, I think it's like I love that film. It's not his best, but it's awesome. So I, I feel like I'm going to give Tarantino the benefit of the doubt and like really try and approach it, see where he's coming from with it, 
watch it a few times. I'm not going to give it like the thumbs down immediately, but I will say initially I'm not, I, I didn't really like it that much. Well, I'm extremely disappointed in the film, but that like, again, I don't want this to say like, there's nothing good. I feel like when I feel like a tendency in today's age is whenever you say something slightly negative, people have the assumption that you just hate the film or, and there's nothing good in it. Well, there is good in this. There's a lot of like very, there's a lot of details in it. Like the cat, like, again, we've already talked about it. There is good in the film, like objectively good stuff, but this plot and just this lack of tension, which is weird saying that with Quentin Tarantino, like it's T for tension. Like his films always have some sort of driving force that keeps you gripped. And this film, it's like something going to fucking happen. Well, even, even the tension never paid off. Like we mentioned with that George scene. It's not even suspenseful, at least like in like films like The Hateful Eight, like it's a that's a slow burn of a film, but at least there's suspense in the film. And there's build up because you're trying to figure out who done it. Now, I don't really like the payoff. That yeah, everyone, I think the payoff is like, rather lazy. But, but, but regardless, there is still suspense there. It's what it what it what did Hitchcock say? It's like, oh, with the bomb in the car. Yeah, it's and like stuff. suspension is or it's like suspense is showing the is or, or, or a drama is saying there's a bomb. And then you watch how people, knowing the bomb is there, yeah, you then, watch people react. And then like showing the audience where the bomb is or something. It's, I'm, I butchered that, but like you get the idea. There is no bomb in this film. At least in The Hateful Eight, there was like, okay, something's like amiss here and we're trying to figure it out. Whereas he, I, I, there's just no tension here. And, and, and I don't want, and I just don't want people to say like, Oh, it's a slow burn. You know, I feel it. like, and I feel like this, I, and I mentioned, I made the Magnolia connection. And I feel like this is like, like a Robert Altman kind of thing where it's like a bunch of different stories threaded together that like, aren't necessarily connected, but they tie in as, as the film goes, the threads, you start getting pulled a little bit more, a little bit more until you finally see the bigger picture. I don't see the bigger picture here outside of the cliff, um, Rick connection, like all this stuff. I feel like there's a, there's like a solid hour that I don't necessarily, I guess I'm not just seeing it. Yeah. Like the I, relevance. I don't know. I think, I guess we can get into our closing thoughts. Cause at the end of the day, like I was just, I said it on Twitter I now I was just highly disappointed by this film. I granted I had a better time the second time because I knew what to expect and I mulled it over and I read some articles and I really tried. I, I I really really wanted to like this movie, but at the end of the day, it's just it's just boring and I just feel like like yeah, it's a love letter to an era of cinema that was super important in in like in film history as well as Tarantino's filmography. But it just because it's a love letter doesn't mean it's the fucking greatest thing ever. Like, just because, like, film snob, you can get the little references. Like, Sergio Corbucci, who directed the original Django, which I'm surprised they didn't even name drop that. But, like, something like that. Or, like, Antonio Margheriti from of referencing his own his own films. Or, or I thought that's who that was. Okay. Yeah. I was like, Margheriti. Yeah, I was like, oh, is that the guy from Inglorious Bastards? Okay. Yeah, or, like, Sharon Tate. Or, or like... Or talking about Steve McQueen and, and, and like all this, or that, I mean, that's just a tiny, tiny example or like the great, like referencing all these films and, 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 you know, getting that aesthetic, like just right, like tra like almost transporting you to an, another time, like seamlessly, like that's all good and well, but like this, this story is fucking boring and there's like no tension 
until the end. Even okay. then, it's At the like, end of a three-hour movie, that's the only tension. It's like, not even tension because they play it off like a joke and then they just immediately get wrecked. So it's the, not even tense. Yeah, but, you know, at the end of the day... Did you honestly think that Brad Pitt, that Cliff was going to die or get shot? I was like, oh, I don't... I think he's going to go down swinging if he's going to die. But they didn't even, like... But I was like, I don't think he's going to die. I it, when the Mantis, I was like, okay, how is he going to mess them up while he's high? But then, then the high part didn't even come into well, play. Well, if Charles Manson was there, I probably would have been a little bit more tense. But, yeah, not really. Which he didn't, which was a missed opportunity. You you set up that Manson's in the movie, but he's not. So, like, yeah, if he was there, it would have made that... That would have been... I would have forgiven it because we all know who Charles Manson is. Yeah, we'll give it that conceit. Like, okay, I know who this guy is. Fuck him up. But they didn't do that. It's like Hitler. It's the same thing. It's like, we know who Hitler is. We don't need to show him doing awful but shit. We know what he did. So, you know, with my closing thoughts, yeah, I was I, I was pretty disappointed by this film. I'm hoping it's kind of like uh, how critics viewed Kubrick, where it's like with his next film and as time goes on, you're like, well, it's not, it's like, uh, it's not, it's not like his last film. Like I'm hoping to garner more appreciation. Like I have the Hateful Eight as time has gone goes on. I, I don't know. Fingers crossed. Like you said, I want to give T- Tarantino the benefit of the doubt, but I don't. Know. I sincerely I, hope this is not his last. He he goes out on this film. I don't think he will, but I I don't I didn't like this film very much. Out of ten, I'm gonna give this a five out of ten. Um, and the and the saving graces are like perf- excellent performances by the two main leads. The passion of the project it just didn't work for me. And I think, as we've explained over the last I don't know like hour or so or forty five minutes with the plot, I think I just can't overlook how boring and. Just, there's no tense in this movie. I'm sorry if if you if you feel like that, yeah, please let us know. I mean, you know, add us on Twitter, whatever. I, I definitely want to hear this. I please change my mind. I want to be convinced. Please, I, I don't want to not like this film. Like, please comment, tell me, like, change my mind, please. Um, but yeah, so five out of ten for Mike. Yeah, I'll give it a five out of ten too. It's not the worst thing. But it's definitely like on the lower end of the spectrum of of films that uh, of Tarantino's that I think I, I it's not as bad as Death Proof, but it's not better than like Kill Bill. Yeah, I would I would say like and there's I, I don't want to at least with at least at least at least with Death Proof, there's a cathartic moment and it's <laughs> exciting. Yeah, but like and the thing is like I mean if I want to rank Tarantino's films, like I'm not gonna do that like right now, but it's definitely like. For me, Death Proof is on the very bottom as my least favorite. Not that it's a bad film, but it's my least favorite. And probably, as of this moment, as of this recording, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is probably a number eight for me, like on the bottom of the list. Oh, absolutely. It's not nine, but it's it's eight. Like, it's, definitely, it's definitely down there for me. But and th- I need to give it a little more time, but just initial first impression. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. It's just kind of how the dice rolled. So you'd give it a five. And what about... The uh, illustrious, would you recommend I'm not, your girlfriend? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not going to. Yeah, it's I gonna bore. That. It's gonna bore her, and not that she can't take it. It's just like I was like, is something gonna happen? You know, I just, I just don't want to waste her time. I'd rather, I'd rather show her like an actually like exciting something good movie. Let's put it this way: the the we had a decently sized crowd today. It's a Monday night or Tuesday night, and there was this this couple next to me, like a little older. 
and I heard the guy say, "Oh, do you think I'm gonna miss anything?" And and the and the wife whispered back, "Nah." And I wanted to just turn over and say, "No, you can take like 30 minutes. You can go get a beer. You can like just dick around all you want. Like just come back in like 30 minutes, and you'll be and like you're not gonna miss anything." Yeah. So. Sorry, guys, if this if this is infuriates you, because I feel like we might be the minority that didn't like this movie. I don't know. It's I've been reading a lot of dis, like decisive or polarized. Like some people are saying this is the worst fucking thing ever made, which is that's chill, chill out. But it's definitely not his magnus opus. It's not his best film ever made. It's unfortunately, in my opinion, probably one of the the weaker links of his uh of his filmography but you know it's that's just the first impression i hope we can return to this one day maybe maybe the next tarantino film uh release in like five years we can uh do a tarantino retrospective and when we come back to this film hopefully in a few more years our our mindsets can be changed a little bit but you know until then you know, that, that concludes this episode of Amateur All Tours. Everyone, thanks again for listening and supporting the show. We couldn't do it without, without you guys and the support from you. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Our Tours Pod, or you can email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at the Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, we'll see you next time, guys. Mm-hmm.